For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Well, I think one of the things that emboldens these folks is excessive political correctness. You know, our... And I have... You know, I admire our religious freedom, and I don't think we should uh, turn our backs on it. But one of the things Khalid Sheikh Mohammed told me was that our religious freedoms actually act as a cloaking device that allow them to move into our neighborhoods, to set up these enclaves, to put in place the precursors of radicalization in these terror attacks, to put in the support networks long before any laws are broken, and that our concerns about privacy and surveillance and and uh, uh, political correctness uh, all contribute to that. And he views that as a as a as a gift from Allah, a mm. gift from His God that allows them to operate in our midst without being challenged. So that is uh, this is Monica Perez. This is Monica Perez show. On, uh, I'm the Libertarian Voice on WSB Saturdays from three to six. Uh, I am on only from three to five today, and I'm going to be moving around quite a bit for uh football season but keep aware of uh of when that is and you can do that by signing up to propagandareportdaily.com and i'll send out an email saying or you can do monicaperezshow.com saying when my show is going to be on next so my next show is going to be on labor day weekend but it's going to be on sunday one to three and today after my show is going to be uh, at five o'clock mark aram's going to do mercedes-benz stadium inside and out that's going to be a good special because the stadium opens today but what we just heard coming in is dr james mitchell he was the guy who he actually settled it was in the journal last week he had to settle a case with some uh people he tortured who had never been charged with anything and i used to kind of be like yeah whatever who cares i'm sure they were bad guys now i wonder like uh, the Oklahoma City bombing, there was a guy they tortured to see what he knew. I think about them, about the government. Like there's a very deep, I forget the guy's name, but there's something very, a really scandalous case that came out of the Oklahoma City bombing about that, about a guy who was tortured, I think, to death in government custody. And uh, it was the wrong guy. And they wanted to know something specific, and it was the wrong guy. And uh, so this guy had to settle out of court for that. But when you listen to how he is thinking, he is, he is talking about how uh, our expectation of privacy, our religious freedom is a cloak that puts us in danger. I mean, that is what the guy said. So, and this is a guy Fox News is promoting. They're promoting his new book. That's why he was on the show. And I feel like the First Amendment is absolutely in the crosshairs from top to bottom right now. And the, the most... The most serious thing, in my opinion, is when they talk about, you know, they, there's that old poem, first they came for the socialists, then they came from the trade unionists, then they came for the Jews, 
you know, I didn't say anything. And when they came for me, there was nobody left. Well, trade unionists and socialists and Jews, you can sympathize with those people. They And now we keep our eyes open for that kind of thing. But you don't keep your eyes open for radical Islamists and neo-Nazis. And then you, you know what I mean? You don't look at it. That first they came for the smokers then they came for the soda drinkers. You know, then they came for me. I'm just saying you the slope that they're headed us down is is like a cliff. It's not a slippery slope. And if you look at when they're talking about radicalized discussions, closing down ugly talk, I believe, if I recall correctly, when I was in law school, they the uh, talk was a crime if it was part of a crime. And if that crime was being plotted and then at the end of the conversation, everyone knew where to go and what to do. That means that conversation was part of the crime. Just arousing emotions in other people is not a crime. It's not good, you know, but I look at some of these tech companies as having such deep government roots, uh, having such advantages from government funding and grants and um, information sharing that regular grassroots competition couldn't actually make a dent in the marketplace. So I feel like I had this idea that any any tech company whose tech was funded or subsidized in any way by a government grant or a university grant that is funded by the government, if you were won an award and a bunch of money from the United States government, the patents should be void and shared with everybody, make the tech public. Then all of a sudden you would have an absolute flood of competition in these different arenas of social media and you wouldn't have to worry about fairness. So there's calls right now to, for the government to regulate the way these private companies control content on their sites You because of fairness, because people are being treated unfairly. But with enough competition, you don't have to worry about that stuff. So there's a lot of thoughts there and I'm happy to take uh, your reactions. 404-872-0750 1-800-WSB-TALK or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Binkley, my producer, do you have a tweet uh, on point? Yes, I do, actually. It's from Politishark who says, the federal government no longer needs to be in charge of censorship because Google, YouTube, Facebook, and PayPal are. That's very interesting because it goes to a point that I've made in the past about Zbigniew Brzezinski and the Trilateral Commission and a, uh, a collection of essays they put together called The Crisis of Democracy. And the upshot was what Brzezinski concluded against the wishes of some of the people who contributed to that book was that the way to counteract the damaging, the social damage that's done by democracy, by protests in the 60s, this was a reaction to the 60s, is to make sure everybody's involved in institutions that uh, don't have democratic processes. So if everybody belongs to a trade union or everybody belongs to, um, is in a university or in a corporation, then they don't have any say. Similarly, like in this case, if your livelihood is dependent on these companies that you have to engage in, and uh, they are not government entities, even though, in my opinion, behind the scenes, they actually are government entities. They are not bound by these laws, these transparent um, transparency and accountability that we have set up in order to protect ourselves from the power of government. That's why I don't even like government to be involved in infrastructure. I don't like them to be involved in research. If you have, a, have a, an international 
an interstate highway system, then everything is interstate commerce. And then the, and the Constitution can regulate everything. You think these things are gifts from the federal government, but there's but it's, it's all everything they give you. Um, I heard somebody on Fox News when they were just talking about the Barcelona attack. They never said anything about the fact that that intervention in the Middle East is spreading terrorism and refugees like wildfire. They didn't say anything about that. They talked about immigration laws. But that's not the root of the problem. But one point they made was that the EU gives money. You know, there's a lot of wealth transfer from the richer to the poorer countries. And if the poorer countries don't change their laws to accommodate what the richer countries want, the money's going to stop flowing. I mean, is that really what you want? Is that how you want your your laws made? So I think that we need to look at these entities and really discover how they are, are promoted or even established by the government for the very purpose of circumventing these protections that we have. And, uh, and, and the way that they're arbitrary and fair, they're, it's like libertarianism is so often, I'm a libertarian, is so often used as a trap. Look what happens when in the free market, these nutjob lefty tech guys can quash uh, or squash uh, right-wing speech. And then you feel like it's a market failure. They call it a market failure. But I, I think it is not a free market situation because these guys have been benefited, been selected, hand-selected, and promoted by government entities. This guy, Matthew Prince, is one of, one of those guys, this guy who made the news with a uh, founder of Cloudflare, who was instrumental in putting down the Daily Stormer. Did Binkley, I think I, we were talking about this at the break. I found this thing. Uh, did I did I tell the audience about this yet? <laughs> did I tell people about Matthew Prince? You and, brought him up. You didn't go into detail. Okay, yet. he I I found. So this is a guy who wrote an article in the Wall Street Journal saying, "I'm the son of a journalist." He's the guy who the only time he ever censored anything on his website was this Daily Stormer thing, or what he did was not protected from being brought down by cyber hacks. And then he wrote a uh, an article for the Journal saying, "I'm the son of a journalist. I grew up with the discussions around the dinner table on the importance of free speech. It does not sit right to have a private company invisible but ubiquitous." making editorial decisions about what can and cannot be online. My moral compass alone should not determine who gets to stay online. I mean, this is a guy whose integrity is so profound that he's tortured by his own power. Yet, when I dug into his past, he he started a company called Unspam, hand-in-hand with another company called Project Honeypot. And if you know what Honeypot is, it's using, <laughs> yeah, it's using sex spies to get information from the enemy. I mean, it's a crazy thing to call anything. Anyway, but this guy made these two companies kind of hand-in-hand, and it says, Unspam was sued by the porn industry for allegedly aiding government infringement of First Amendment rights, after which Prince decided to take a sabbatical. So I think he's an inside job, top to bottom. And that reveals what 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 what's going on here. You know, the invisible hand is not the invisible hand of the market. It's the invisible hand of the powers that be, of the shadow governments, I think. So let's... Uh, I'm out of time already. 404-872-0750, 800-WSB-TALK. Jay is asking that I 
uh, clarify a throwaway comment I made earlier about cigarettes and soda. And uh, I would like to clarify that. So, Jay, if you please hang on, I will get to that right after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Thanks to Mars High 84. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And we have a weekend prize pack for you. A pair of tickets to see the Scott Brothers House Party starring Jonathan and Drew Scott of HGTV's Property Brothers on September 19th at the Cobb Energy Center. First to call 404-741-0750 gets that prize pack. I bet that's fun. Those guys are cool. I'm going to uh, Jay. You can call me at 800-WSB-TALK or tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Jay and Alfreda, you are on with Monica. Hey, Monica. Uh, I was listening, and I thought I heard you say a few moments ago when you were talking about people not speaking up, that you were equating not speaking up about the government wanting to regulate soda consumption and cigarette use, and you equated that to not speaking up against prejudice and bigotry. Did I understand that correctly, or were you making another point? Because if, if I understood it the way I thought you said it, I think that's way out of line. Yeah, I wasn't, man, I wasn't equating it. What I was saying was, I was making a point that there's a famous poem. First they came for the socialists, and I said nothing. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I said nothing. Then they came for the Jews, and I said nothing. And when they came for me, uh, there was no one there to speak for me. So you can look at, I was saying, it's not going to be an exact parallel of that going forward, the way they get you down. So that's what they call a slippery slope, right? That's that you think that it's never going to affect you. If you keep your nose clean, you're okay. Or if you don't do anything that is currently on the block. But so they, so when you look at, I gave you two extreme examples, one where it's radical Islamists and neo-Nazis and everybody might be okay with allowing their speech to be censored, or you can take, uh, but, and then the next step, you would never think the next step is, um, you know, banning Breitbart. You would never think that was the next step, but it could be. And then the other extreme, a lighter extreme is they take away your cigarettes. You know, that, that started, the reason they were allowed to ban, or I should say like the, um, to ban cigarette smoking in a bar is a an encroachment on private property rights. And the first encroachment, the reason people were uh, nervous about the 1964 Civil Rights Act wasn't because it ended segregation, government-mandated segregation. It's that it went into private property and told them what they could and could not do. And no one at that time would have thought the next step would be or that that would ultimately allow the government to ban smoking in bars or, uh, you know, then Obamacare. I actually did predict that that would lead to someone like Bloomberg saying you can't have sugary sodas. I'm saying that it's not going to be so obvious They They get a little trickier because we have that poem. We have that experience in the past and we need to to not fall for modifications of those traps we need to be staunch and absolute in defense of the first amendment no matter how justified or unjustified you think the speech is well i understand your point about the slippery slopes but the slippery slope for soda consumption and uh cigarette use 
is a much different slope than bigotry and racism. So that that's my point. Yes, I, think that I agree with those, that completely. Okay. And I would say, though, that my issue with stuff like cigarette smoking and consu- uh, soda consumption is they quite often take something seemingly totally unrelated and use it as a way to get you. So there was a guy, Nacho, who ran Quest Communications and was the only guy who stood up to the government and did not allow warrantless wiretaps. Shortly thereafter, he was arrested for insider trading, and he claimed as his defense that he was set up because of that. And he was not allowed to bring that defense because it was against national security. I was watching a movie, a.k.a. Tommy Chong, where... Tommy Chong's son was entrapped and they allowed Tommy Chong to serve his jail time, which is outrageous. And they cited in their argument, the prosecutors, that he had made movies that mocked law enforcement. So and there was a guy who blew the whistle on some on the underwear bomber too, being an inside job. He was British intelligence. The guy who blew the whistle on that was arrested for kitty porn. So I'm just saying the more things they ban and control the more they can use that stuff against you for speech. So these things can be totally unrelated, but if you don't stand up for your rights, absolutely, you open up so many avenues where they can interfere with you, and really they should never be able to interfere with you unless you interfere with somebody else. 800 WSB Talk, you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. You maniac! Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. I am your libertarian voice on WSB Saturdays from 3 to 6 until football season, which is upon us. So I'm only on till 5, but it's uh, for a good cause. Mark Aram has a great special Mercedes-Benz Stadium inside and out. It opens today. That'll be good. And next week, I'm on Sunday, 1 to 3. It's Labor Day weekend. So football, college football starts right here on WSB. But they are going to continue to kind of find a place for me. So I appreciate that. And if you want to know when I'm on, sign up for the emails at propagandareportdaily.com or monicaperezshow.com. And I will be sure to let you know when I'm going to be on. So let us continue this conversation because the most important thing I think that's happening this year is the First Amendment is in the crosshairs. And I don't think we should fall for calls from the left and the right, both from I was talking about Huffington Post and National Review wrote articles basically uh, mirroring each other, saying the, the federal government has to step in and control how internet companies censor their stuff because we'll we'll all be victims. I mean, it doesn't even make sense. The right is saying the right is being targeted. The left is saying the right is first, but then we're next. I mean, if, if it's censored from both sides, what's left, you know, it just doesn't make sense. What you want is robust competition so that some is censored and some is not censored, but you will just, I mean, that's what the internet is, getting what you want out of it. And it will reflect what people want if it's truly free. And that means not stacking the deck by companies that have been, have benefited 
from government money, government tech. And uh, I think that the spotlight should be on that and not on federal regulation of the First Amendment to save the First Amendment. Uh, Binkley, let's read a tweet, and then we'll go to some calls. 800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Okay, I have a tweet that brilliantly expresses the value of what you do here, of the questions that you stir up in people. It's from Nick. He says, you are the contrarian voice in my head that makes me question everything I'm seeing. You make me take nothing for granted and back up everything with strong reason and evidence, even when we don't agree. I have to make darn sure I understand why, since I know you'll find the smallest hole in the seemingly most airtight arguments. That is quite a compliment. And I have to say that was born of being on this show, because normally, like if you're in the living room having an argument... So you know the person you're with, you've got their number, whatever. You can see the look on their face, you know, their face. On the air, I'll say what I say. Like, I just had this uh, call from Jay who misunderstood something I had said like five minutes before or whatever. Maybe he has a genuine dispute with what I said. He didn't like it. I didn't explain it, whatever. But I didn't know that I had, you know, made him mad, I think. Because you can't see them. So eventually, after a long enough time, it used to be where people would call and really scream and yell you know really i would really put my foot in it or whatever so or or they would figure out the flaws in my argument so i what what nick says i do for him i have to do to myself uh because i know if i say something totally contrary to what fox news is saying thousands of people are gonna be like she doesn't know this is the answer and unless (laughs) i'm watching fox news and thinking hard about it i can't answer those so that is uh thanks to a rigorous debate with the audience i've often been told that i have the smartest callers so with that intro alan (laughs) (laughs) alan and marietta are you ready to live up to that Uh, reputation of course um my theory on this is the internet is pretty much going to doom us i mean i remember being in the 60s when you had a crazy person uh, who'd spout off different things and go nuts. Everybody would just walk past them or whatever. But nowadays, if you have a crazy person with the Internet, he can contact millions and millions and millions of people, and out of that, he'll find followers and people who will agree with him and be persuaded by him. It's, it's, I mean, I love the Internet. I don't have to go to the library anymore to look up things. But as far as speech, it, it's... I, I think it's going to be our doom. I mean, you know, if everybody has a comment, you don't know which comment is true, which comment is false. Where back in the 60s, you know, if something happened, it'd be two or three days before you found out on the local news or, or something else like that. It's just the access to the Internet has given every crazy person out there a platform and a, a, a level to speak. And, I mean, I agree with free speech, but... You know, where do you draw the line on the crazies and the, and the people with common sense? It's, well, I'll it's, tell you, it's, it's I have the same answer to that as I did to where to when people complain about greed, corporate greed, whatever. Greed is the driver of the production, and competition is what pushes back on that. Competition drives profits to zero. So greed's, greed gets people off the couch, they produce stuff, and then competition makes it so very quickly, maybe the first mover gets rich, very quickly you're just getting this new product at a really great price because so many people entered the market. 
I feel the same way about the internet, about the free speech. It's very difficult to get millions of people to hear what you say, especially if it's actually crazy. So how does it happen? First of all, you said there's a lot of false information. There is disinformation put out there on purpose. So Cass Sunstein, for example, Obama's information czar talked about how to place disinformation, put crazy stuff out there to to uh, misdirect people from actual truth. So the disinformation, you know, and then you have if you're talking about the government doing it. They have unlimited resources, unlimited. Then you have uh, the search engines. If the search engines were neutral, then it would be, it's very difficult to get something to go viral. What they would do with the search engines is get you to make more and more refined search terms so you could get the exact thing you were looking for. But they don't. They actually kind of do the opposite from what I can tell. They want to give you the most popular stuff that could could be what you're looking for. And by setting their algorithms so that they, you know, didn't I read an article before the campaign that that basically Google could determine who won the campaign and I think who won the election. And I think you have to think hard about that. That's in their uh, their realm of, of control, like CNN. And who won? Trump. You got to wonder if there's something going on a little deeper than you think. But these uh, these these search engines are really really powerful, and it's basically impossible to uh, to circumvent those. But and actually, like uh, Binkley, didn't you just tell me uh, at the break that YouTube is not only just like where you get videos, but it's the se- second to Google itself, its owner, the most powerful search engine? Yeah, second largest website and search engine in the world. And they have demonetized most of our podcasts, right? And made them harder to find. Yeah, so so if it were just people looking for our stuff, it would the algorithm would be based on how many times it came up in a search and then was clicked upon, for example. That's like one way to do it. That would be a completely objective way to do it. But they're not. They're, they're applying what they call normative tests. They're, they're judging the words. Yeah, they actually also direct people. If you, if you type in something that they view as radical, then they will direct you to videos that debunk what you're searching for. Oh, I've seen that too. Like Snopes or Scopes, whatever. There's a, a debunking website that basically debunks, mostly debunks the truth. yeah it's the ultimate in that uh so whatever you're looking for it's definitely going to tell you that any suspicions are unfounded but my point is is simply that it's not the fact that it's a free market for information on ideas that makes it quote dangerous it's the fact that it is highly controlled and the the purpose the goals of those the powers at the top are not harmony and free discourse the goals at the people at the top are disharmony and shallow ideology so that we can fight each other and not wake up to the fact that all this money, all the stealing and killing is done uh, in our name with our money for the benefit of other people. It's actually to our detriment. It makes us poorer and less safe. And uh, yet it's done with our money and in our name. And that's what they care about. And the best way they can keep that going is to keep 
us at each other's throats. And I think that's why they manipulate the information flow just the way they do. Uh, so I do not think more regulation is the answer. I think digging a little deeper into where this information is coming from and why it's being spun the way it is. Thank you so much for the call, Alan. I'm going to Jean in Atlanta. Jean, you're on with Monica. Or is it Joan? Hello, line four. You are on with Monica. Can you hear me? I lost line four, it seems. Anyway, that's all right. So, yeah, um, Binkley, don't you think that, or what do you think about uh, this YouTube thing? You think it's going, we're going to get our our money back? Because really, it's not like you make much from those little ads anyway. But but the goal is, at a certain point, when it hits critical mass, you do make a lot of money. So when, when a guy, when they get, like, PR and, they, and this Daily Stormer thing has been on Huffington Post, National Review, Wall Street Journal, like, quoting the nasty, nasty, awful, embarrassing things they actually say, this dry people search like crazy for that, right? Yeah, and that's exactly, not to... Uh you know, bring Hitler into it. That's how he drew, drew attention to his organization when he was trying to build up his Nazi group. What he did is he did stuff that was outrageous, so that people would try to censor him, and that made people want to go look and see what it was, just like they're doing with the Nazis and with Antifi on the media right now. Oh, that's funny because I did read on air last week. I noticed it because the Wall Street Journal twice on the same page wrote the quote of one of the people who attended Charlottesville on the Unite the Right side. He said, the, this this PR, this press, is going to make the movement explode. You wait yeah. and see. Why would, why would they write that twice? Because they know it's true, and I think they want it to happen. Yeah, yeah. Because the divisiveness is what keeps us all distracted as they lead us down the garden path to totalitarianism and war. Exactly. If they don't, if they can get real violence to happen, they don't have to uh, pretend it's going on anymore. On that note, I think I've got Jean back. Jean, are you with me? Oh yes. I apologize. I accidentally muted it. Thank you for taking my call, yes. um, Monica. This is just from my perspective. Uh, because I think that we're kind of repeating some things that have happened in history before when it comes to fascism and the control of socialism, communism, right? We're in the 21st century. But I kind of have to focus on it's it's about survival of our civil, uh, civilization right now and just recognizing the tactics that they use to undermine us, which is what you talk about a lot. And I believe that it's important for us as citizens to recognize that, yes, we want to protect our freedom of speech, but what the globalists are trying to do, and they're going to use the people that can be radicalized. It doesn't, come, it doesn't matter whether they come from this particular religious group or persuasion. That's their agenda. And what they're going to do is try and blur the lines between what's freedom of speech and then actually give them a sense of an entitlement to actually promote violence, as we see. You see? So I just believe what we have to do as citizens is then uh, speak up for our rights. Yes, you have the right of freedom of speech, but I also have a right to protect my life. You see? Yes, and so, I do. So we, we have to designate that. It doesn't matter. I'm an African-American female. I'm just saying that I'm a human being, but I'm saying that I have dealt with discrimination and prejudice, but what my faith helped me is gauge my response to that. Oh, In other yes. words, I don't allow myself to be justified to say because of my ancestries were murdered, mutilated, raped, and whatnot. That gives me the right as a citizen because with that, I'm under the law, constitutional law. 
All right, and I, so, ha- like I have Dr. to. Said, you know, and I, uh, if we uh, eye for an eye, we'll leave everybody blind. I, I got you, Jean. I like it. I have to. Uh, I think we have mechanisms in place for the separating kind of the peaceful protest, even if the speech is ugly, from actually going to cuffs and stuff. And I think that the government's uh, not employing those legal and established measures. And that's one of the reasons I feel like they're feeding into this on purpose. But I'm going to wrap it up after the break. This is Monica Perez. Partly cloudy high of... 84 forecast for Monday as the work week begins, but that could change. So stay tuned to WSB for weekend weather brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And we are wrapping up the show as uh, this is, I guess, kind of the end of the regular season because football is coming. But that's okay because I'm definitely going to have as much airtime. I think I'll probably be on every weekend if I can make it. I have a couple of things planned. One is I'm going to go see that Triple G Canelo fight on September 16th. And after this show right now, I'm uh, later on tonight going to go to the a watching party for the McGregor Mayweather fight, which I, you know, I guess I'm going along with the crowd. I feel, of course, that Mayweather is obviously going to be the grown up in the room. Um Anyway, so that'll be fun, and uh, and I, I'm a big. I hate to talk about boxing because I don't think it's as popular. Because today is like a preseason football game, and I think that's what people are all about. Yeah, I think it's lost some of its luster because it's so brutal. And you know, I, I think if you're going to ban anything, you know, <laughs> I'm not for banning anything. But if you are going to ban anything, you know, that just shows that there are there are rights that are actually alienable. You have a right to not get punched in the face, but you can Some give people. up that right. You know, <laughs> I'm just saying. It's an interesting. We can ponder that. So that's it. Um, I got a. I got a good email. Can you pull up your email real quick? I sent it to you so you could read it. But uh, yes, I think we have time for this. I I was talking earlier. I said I was talking about incrementalism and i think i kind of upset some people because the slippery slope thing you know sounded like i equated racism with drinking soda which i did not (laughs) mean to but my point was (laughs) that you that you don't realize that all you're doing once you let them slip the thin edge of the wedge into the the few delineated rights we actually have they're supposed to be absolute in my opinion and i think it's if it weren't, it should be, it would have been shown, like in the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, that uh, that they just slip in that thin uh, edge of the wedge. And like with the Civil Rights Act in 1964 was one example that I made. Yes, of course, segregation, forced segregation by the government is absolutely outrageous. Outrageous. It should be uh, uh, unthinkable. But instead of stopping there, they said they could... Uh, control what people did on their private property and of course it was for a good cause but it has consequences so and my argument was that's really why the government claims the right to tell bar owners that they can't uh allow anyone to smoke in their bars people who come in voluntarily cannot smoke in the bars and they can't invite people in to smoke in the bars so alan sent me an email different alan from the one who is just on the line let's hear it binkley he says though i think hey monica on smoking 
Yes, you certainly don't want any unhealthy habits in a bar. Smoking is a perfect example of incrementalism. Because just think, what would happen if in 1959 or thereabouts, the government would have passed an incredibly far-reaching bill banning smoking in public buildings, restaurants, universities, airlines, and airports? There would have been mayhem in the streets. Same situation with porn. Disillusion of men's clubs, no telephone booths, ultimate physical violence readily available in the media, indecent material right in the reach of children. Incrementalism will do it every time, and the people will feel as if they are in the know and not old and fuddy-duddy. Yeah, I absolutely, that's obviously what's happening. And now is our chance to stand up for the First Amendment. This conversation continues all week. We also do podcasts, so check us out on PropagandaReportDaily.com, on Facebook, and on Twitter, at Monica Perez Show. Be back next week, Sunday, 1 to 3. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.